0: Somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh, it must get colder, that's great. It, it, it came from my mother-in-law's mouth, too. Uh, looking forward to uh, working in an ambient temp warehouse all week long. Bundle up, bundle up. Hell yes, Mr. Rob Roof, thank you very much. me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives is the name of the podcast. Glad you could download and hang out with me for about half an hour. Although, you know, if, if you work outside, uh, you get more sympathy from me than anybody working in a cubicle at this point. I'm kind of the day walker. I'm indoors, but uh, it, it, I'm not exposed to the elements, but it's going to be butt ass cold. But if you're like a lineman or if you're doing any sort of outdoor work this week in the contiguous U.S., it's uh, kind of brutal. Uh, wind chills, about minus 30 in some places. Uh, I think uh, I was running errands. Monday, had, had uh, Martin Luther King Day off, uh, and the warmest it got, according to my car temp- uh, thermometer, was uh, five. Five, and I got this rule uh, uh, if you have, if you got like one syllable in the temperature, it is colder than anything. So, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, eleven, seven is warmer than Eight with that theory. But it really doesn't matter at this point. The fewer syllables of the temperature, the worse off you're at. Uh, but uh, it's supposed to warm up sometime next week, and maybe, just maybe, I could take down the, the Christmas lights. I finally turned them off last night when I was outside. One of those rare moments, I was out by the front door. I did take the Christmas tree down finally, and I thought my boy was going to, like, throw a conniption fit about it because he loves lights. He's obsessed with it. But he actually helped me take them down and uh, was actually pretty chill about it. Put the Christmas tree up. I, I know, yeah, three weeks wait, removed from Christmas, that's kind of lazy. I agree. Uh, it's been kind of a, a rough few weeks for me, uh, sleep-wise, schedule-wise, work-wise, and all that. Uh, and, and I get a little uh, sad when the Christmas lights come down. But then I realized how much more room we've got in the living room and uh, less clutter. And it feels like I can breathe again. A little bit. So that's all done. Uh the uh, wild card run that uh, yeah, the wild card round of the NFL playoffs is complete. And no NFC East teams remain. Holy crap, did the Cowboys and the Eagles each lay eggs out there. Cowboys, this was a they they lost to the Packers. They got blown up by the Packers. Here's uh one of the weirdest stats. The Green Bay Packers have more playoff wins in AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys do. The Packers basically own that stadium now. They have three playoff wins. This is not an old stadium. This stadium is what 15 years old now. It's 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 a relatively new stadium, and the Packers have more playoff wins than the Cowboys. Dak Prescott looked like hot Rhea out there. Uh, and he he basically said so. Prescott uh, the the press conference afterward. He goes, guys, I sucked out there, and you know, Cowboys fan base. I get it; they're obnoxious, and uh, they're a big reason why people don't like the Cowboys. I kind of like Dak Prescott; he doesn't seem like a d bag. Uh, so to see him uh, get beat like that out there, yeah, it was it was bad. But Jordan Love. Coming into his own for the Packers. Green Bay, like, uh, they got this little subtle machine going where every 20 years they get a, another good quarterback and they lasts a couple of decades for him. It just seems like that anyway. Uh, but Jordan Love could bring another Lombardi uh, to that town. Then they got the Eagles, 10-1, uh, starting out the season, and then they finished out the season 1-5, and, and then they get beaten badly in Tampa Bay. I think J- Jason Kelsey said, uh, yeah, the, the Kelsey not Dayton you know who, uh basically has said that he's retired after the game. Uh he had tears in his eyes. I bet he wanted to go out a better way. And it sucks when you don't go out that way. But uh yeah it's trouble in Philly. Uh calling for the firing of the head coach uh who basically talked shit to the Colts. I didn't see this video until uh uh just last night. I had no idea this happened, but uh apparently after they beat the the Colts in uh in uh, Indy, and I think this was last year, yeah, this was last year, Uh, he was talking shit to the fans and said, that's for Frank Reich, and as much as I uh, don't like Frank Reich getting fired, like, this guy was just kind of a hothead, so he might be on his way out. Now, there is speculation where Bell Belichick's going to go. Some people say, oh, he might go to Carolina, he might go to Dallas, Uh, both ownerships Seem like they know better than their head coaches and their GMs, and Bill Belichick doesn't strike me as somebody that wants uh, interference if he's going to run a team. So I don't see that happening. Uh, apparently, he did interview with the Atlanta Falcons. That's uh, what I've been told. I, I could see that. I could see the Sandy. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers. I could see that. Anybody that lets uh, Coach Hoodie be Co- Coach Hoodie for two or three seasons uh, will uh, basically get him. He's not going to put up with a lot of uh, bullshit. So uh, this weekend, and look, what's the schedule here? You got uh, Texans and Ravens Saturday, 4:30. Uh, Pack and 49ers out in San Fran or Santa Clara, but they say San Fran. 8:15 Saturday night, three o'clock Sunday. You got the Lions hosting the Buccaneers. Chiefs Bills Sunday night. Uh, go Bills because I can't stand certain things about the Chiefs okay uh aaron Rodgers, I, and i'm not going to get long-winded on this one like i've in previous podcasts but uh rolling stone which owns deadspin and deadspin's uh see i could see this story being originally a deadspin story and then they just said no let's put it in rolling stone rolling stone is talking about how uh, aaron Rodgers has fallen and become uh this tool for the right wing and conspiracy theorists and all this other stuff you know this these left leaning publications have a problem with aaron Rodgers, and i can't say i'm a big fan of aaron Rodgers. uh but i'm also smart enough not to get my medical advice from aaron Rodgers. and so for them to uh, put out this little expose is uh, telling it's it's weird that this uh that rolling stone which totally got a a rape case wrong and deadspin which uh went out of its way to attack a nine-year-old boy recently Uh, They're concerned about Aaron Rodgers. Now, the problem I have isn't Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, to me, is just another celebrity, just another, uh, (coughs) you know, athlete with an opinion or three that I may not like. Problem I've got is the press and the way they attack ideas and the way that uh, they never apologize for the bullshit that they pull off themselves. So, for them to go after Aaron Rodgers for whatever he said about Jimmy Kimmel or whatever he believes about uh, Fauci... There, there are two massive logs in each set of eyes for Deadspin and Rolling Stone and a lot of other media publications out there. I'm more bothered by them than I am by him, and I always will be. Uh, and also, briefly, Iowa caucuses. Uh, I wasn't really surprised Trump won that, uh, and, I, and I'm not much of a Trump guy. I will say this briefly. A few things. One, I don't think it's right to keep him off the ballot in certain states. Two, we're going to have grumpier old men happen this election year. He's around 80. Biden's north of 80. Both guys have massive amounts of baggage. And uh, three, no matter what happens, I'm not moving to Canada because uh, Trudeau seems like a bigger pain in the ass than any of those guys I mentioned. And... A lot of my opinions, and I can have these opinions because I'm an American, and there's a, the whole Bill Wrights thing, and it drives certain people crazy, but I've got my opinions, I've got my theories on things. They're not necessarily conspiracy theories, but the best way to live your life is not you know, with bumper stickers and yard signs in your yard. It's uh, by action, and it's by uh, thought, and it's by a whole lot of stuff, really. And I know I'm saying this as a uh, would-be amateur podcaster, but I don't watch any of the cable newsers. I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch uh, MSNBC. (laughs) I don't watch CNN. Um, And I think my life's a little better for it um, because they always want you to constantly worry about things and this and that. And there are things legit to worry about. But I live within my own means. And, you know, this year we're picking somebody to be an executive of a federal government that is $34 trillion in debt. And I don't see any responsible people when it comes to that financially. And uh, that's a big thing for me. There's there's other big things, too. I'm not going to get into them. But, yeah, it's just uh, politics. uh, Politics is a frustrating thing. That's why I don't watch cable news. I do have opinions on cable, uh, not cable news, but politics. Emmys happened last night. I uh, didn't watch it because I didn't care. I was watching uh, a little bit of that uh, Eagles debacle against the Buccaneers, but uh, Elton John becomes uh, a, a man in rare company. He is now an EGOT winner. Uh, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. He's got all four of those uh, awards. He won an Emmy last night uh, for his uh farewell show in Los Angeles is on Disney Plus, so I mean, congrats to him. But I uh, got an Emmy trophy in uh, Elton John's house is probably the least gaudy thing in Elton John's house. Uh, but some of the other people that have done it, Whoopi Goldberg has is an egot winner. That's kind of weird to think about because now she's just a grumpy old woman on the View. Uh, Viola Davis, actress, talented, uh, and Mel Brooks. He's got an Emmy. He's got a Grammy. He's got an Oscar. He's got a Tony. Yeah, uh, a lot of people forget he won uh, an Oscar for best, I think, best original screenplay with the producers uh, long ago, long before, just years before he did Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, and the producers, the original movie with Gene Wilder and uh, Zero Mostel. It, it's it is funny that opening number for Springtime in Hitler and Germany. It, 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 like, it's so inappropriate, it would make people's eyeballs explode, and I laugh every time I see that, but uh, I'm getting sidetracked. Congrats to Elton there. David Chase, legendary show producer. Uh, basically, the golden age of television, as it is called, launched late 90s when he did a little show for HBO called The Sopranos. Critically acclaimed tens of millions of people toned in to watch HBO, to watch Tony Soprano and his family. Uh, you know, and all the the mischief. I make it sound like a comedic romp when I uh, describe The Sopranos there. And you would think that this guy who gave us The Sopranos and uh, then, you know, inspired a bunch of other shows like Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Uh, In fact, uh, uh, the showrunner for Mad Men was one of his writers. So Mad Men, Breaking Bad, uh, The Shield, Justified, all these other big cable shows uh, that were well-written and challenged people you would think that this guy would have no problem finding a, a a home, finding a place to do what he wants to do, and he says I'm having trouble finding things. He, I got this interview linked up on the Mike Davidson uh, Facebook page. Uh, he's talking about how like he's got this show, uh, and it's about a hooker in witness protection program. I think that's the gist of it. Um, and it's it's uh, you know it's a drama. He's trying to do a show just like The Sopranos, something you know. A little more complex than your average television show but uh he's having trouble selling it because they want him to dumb it down and he's saying because of this uh the golden age of television is dead and i this is a very intriguing read um i saw that john nolte on a uh, bright he had a pretty good write-up about it too uh but basically television is being dumbed down you can't have shows that question certain things i mean that's that's the thing too um the shows are becoming more preachy more singular minded more uh more politically correct you have to think one way there isn't a gritty drama there isn't a a a hard choice to be made i mean that was that was one of the biggest uh appeals to me about breaking bad which is like my favorite show of all time is the fact that walter white justifies everything he does rationalizes everything he does for his family, but he's doing it for himself. And the further the show goes on, the the more you see his descent. And you see how his uh, partner Jesse wants to get out of it and becomes a, wants to be a better person. And you see a lot of hard choices. Um, half measures versus full measures. That was even a great monologue by Jonathan Banks' uh, Mike on the show. One of my favorite monologues of all time. Uh, but it, it talks about, okay, yeah, you might be a good, uh, you know, Christian or you might be, you know, a bleeding heart liberal. But what would you do in this situation? That was Breaking Bad. And then with The Sopranos and shows like that, The Wire, like you you would put people in these hard situations where there were no easy answers. And sometimes uh, you came away either really liking the character or not liking the character or not liking what a likable character did. But it challenged what you thought. And David Chase, who did that with The Sopranos, is having a hard time pitching shows because all these shows want to do is, you know, talk about the message. Well, you know how they say Christians are hypocrites uh, because their message doesn't translate to the real world? Well, a lot of that also applies to being progressive. A lot of that also applies to any worldview you have. Uh, The world is hard and shows... Shows that show that, uh, they do you a great service. It's more relatable when things go to shit than they are when, uh, you know, they're portrayed certain ways like they are on TV. And that's why you have a lot of these shows that stream basically just last one or two years because, oh, yeah, they're uh, they're great. And then they're not getting the numbers because people aren't hanging around for them. That's another thing, too, uh, is uh, streaming has pretty much uh, ended pop culture. Everything's so fragmented. You can't build the same audiences that you once did. So everything's being dumbed down. Everything's being fragmented. And a guy like David Chase, who 25 years ago launched one of the greatest shows ever known to television, can't pitch another show. And that's kind of sad. And... The last great show I can uh, remember really watching and enjoying was Better Call Saul because it was one of those challenging shows. It was a show where it's like, holy shit, you're in a situation. You got yourself in a situation. Uh, There isn't some magic cure-all that's going to make everything better in the end. Uh, They were real consequences, the actions. And those are compelling shows. Speaking of simplifying and dumbing things down, Pixar... which used to be one of the greatest studios slash sub studios out there in hollywood i mean some of the the toy story movies the first three great love the incredibles that's probably my favorite pixar movie up is just it pulls on your heartstrings they used to make some real banger movies and now a lot of the stuff they do is forgettable uh they are projected to lay off up to 20 percent of their workforce this year 2024 they're laying off a Fifth of it, they're going to have less than a thousand people working there because, well, Disney just looks so damn good right now, uh, and that again, they're trying to simplify and dump things down for people, you know, and they're and they're becoming more blatant about their messaging instead of just telling a good story that's relatable to the whole family, any family, um, and this does add fuel to the fire that. Bob Iger is preparing Disney for a sale. Again, this is one of the uh this is one of the uh, best well-known brands that Disney has. It's struggling. It's not hit- clicking like it once did at the box office. It's not making things people want to go see. He's laying people off and they're still sticking to the tried and true. Oh, we're going to make Toy Story 5, we're going to make Inside Out 2. We're not qu- Anything we try that's original is going to bomb, so let's just make more sequels to offset the difference. There's just nothing there. Nothing there. It's it's sad to see. Uh, got to give kudos to Emma Stone. You know She's out there on the award show circuit. She's got that new movie out, Poor Things, but uh, she was on a podcast. What uh, are those entertainment magazines? And she's talking about how she wants to get on Jeopardy. She watches it every single night because... Maybe secretly she's a, a, a 63-year-old blue-haired woman that goes to bed before 8. I don't know. Uh, no, she she watches it every night. She loves that show. Uh, the the actual Jeopardy. And she's actually uh, sent in tests. She, you know, she applies online. You can only do it once a year, I think. That's what she said. And uh, she also said she did not want to be on Celebrity Jeopardy because she wants to earn her stripes. She wants to do actual Jeopardy. So even she an Oscar-winning actress uh, admits, Emma Stone, that Celebrity Jeopardy is a big farce. And it's it's like uh, basically one of those uh, fillers, I think, on ABC right now because all the scripted shows that uh, couldn't happen due to the strike. So it's on. And you see all these celebrities acting big and goofy and acting like celebrities and not acting like you know actual contestants. Emma Stone wants to get out there and uh, do it. Uh, but here's the thing, though. Like, if, say... She she would have to she would have to give that money to charity, because she's too successful to be a winner on Jeopardy. So she she was actually good on Jeopardy. Had a few nights where she was just you know, rocking and rolling. She would still fall prey to the trap of being a celebrity, even if she was good at actually doing actual Jeopardy. Because they're like, okay, you you're getting all this money. Why are you on the show? And uh, yeah, she'll she, yeah. So even if she competed. Even if she competed legit, she would still be falling into those pratfalls. I think, like, well, I wouldn't say pratfalls, but those pitfalls—pitfalls—is what I'm looking for. She'd still be. <laughs> but as I'm figuring out words here on a Tuesday morning, uh, she she would still be uh, subject to those things. They wouldn't just let her keep the money. It'd almost be like uh, winning the Powerball in California. Oh, you can't be that successful. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. still out there uh, defending Tropic Thunder. I got a couple of theories on this. Um, and uh, they actually might even tie in together. But, you know, he played the uh, the method actor, the white method actor from Australia who goes uh, undergoes surgery to become a, a black man in Vietnam, a black soldier. And uh, he's basically acting like through all these bad cinematic stereotypes, played him up for comedy. And uh, I guess there are still like three people out there that are pissed off about it. And he's, he's on the award show circuit still defending this stuff. You know, he was in uh, Oppenheimer as Louis Strauss. And I thought just uh, knocked it out of the park, him and uh, Killian Murphy both. But he's still defending it. And he says, hey, look, we're attacking those two tropes through comedy. Absolutely right. But, okay, so the two theories I've got on it. One, you keep attacking a classic comedy because, uh, as you know, people die. there are people that watched that movie just a few years ago that are no longer with us, and it's going to continue as such uh, because we're all mortal, okay? So you'll have these younger viewers uh, grow up, and they will look at this and act indignant because uh, there's nothing else going wrong in uh, in the world, and they'll say, well, how could Robert Downey Jr. do such a hate crime? And, you know, you foster the next generation of people that have nothing better to bitch about. And two, uh, I think it more or less, given recent examples, might be something done by people behind the scenes in Hollywood because they have no sense of humor. And what I mean is that this is a great satire of the method actor that thinks he or she can do any role, and so they do everything they can to get immersed in that role, even if it means becoming a caricature themselves. And you see this with method actors a lot of times. Jared Leto. And I say this, and I was giving thought to this when I was reading this. was like, well, you know, uh, Taylor Swift couldn't laugh at herself uh, at uh, the Golden Globes. So there's that example. Jimmy Kimmel could have fired off an F you smartass to Aaron Rodgers, but instead decided to do a seven-minute monologue about it on his show. Uh, those were some examples of... How you know you could have laughed it off or brushed it off, and they didn't. And I'm sure there's some people in Hollywood that are pissed that that uh, R. Robert Downey Jr. had uh, the temerity to do what he did uh, in that role, and that role being written. And there might, and there's gonna be people that publicly laud it because it it is funny. Uh, but there's gotta be some people behind the scenes going, you know, maybe if we can attack the racism angle a bit, that this thing will lose its luster. Because there is nothing, there are no bigger group of people in the world that take themselves more seriously than actors, than celebrities, than people that are always in the limelight. Always in the limelight. So they might be secretly pushing this. That's my theory. Makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Uh, yeah, group thinks scary. Uh, have you tried flying lately? I won't. Um, I. The more I read about planes nowadays, uh, the more I think John Madden had it right. Get yourself the big tour bus and uh, go from city to city every week eating the turduncan. That's the best thing you can do. Eat the turduncan on your ride. Uh, So the FAA is looking for more people uh, to fill a diversity push. And, uh, you know, look, I don't care about the color of your skin uh, your bedroom habits, uh, your your genetic makeup, as long as you're competent, you know math, and you know how to keep the plane off the ground, and when you land it, it doesn't land violently. You're okay in my book. But the FAA is looking for people with intellectual uh, disabilities and psychological impairments to fill out its employment. They're looking for... This, this is actually linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. And I'm thinking to myself that if you are uh, tens of thousands of feet in the air and something goes wrong, you wouldn't want your pilot to have a psychotic breakdown. Unless, of course, you're a pencil pusher, not in the plane, somewhere in D.C. going, at least we made somebody feel better about themselves. And that person on a plane with hundreds of screaming people, doomed. Doomed. Uh, Look, I am partially deaf in my right ear. Um... If uh, if I need, if if you need somebody that needs their full attention, on a plane, especially in a situation like that, I would probably be the last person you ask or one of the last people. That and because I've not been diagnosed with a psychological problem, that's that's creepy. It's a little creepy there. It's, it, it's uh, But this is uh, another thing where I'm not big on government. I'm also not big on a lot of school systems. Chicago Public Schools, rec- I think this is last year, reported that $23 million worth of technology missing. What? Missing. $23 million. I'm sure it just got locked in the wrong closet somewhere. Missing. Not stolen at all. In fact, uh, there was one, was it one school or one classroom? Where all the iPads they handed out. Not returned. Not a single one. Reported stolen. Reported missing. They're not. Well, they're stolen. But they're not stole. They're not stolen by uh, somebody in a ski mask. I think a lot of those things. Either A, were kept. Or B, pawned. Because uh, Chicago. Uh, you know what has a good chance of being returned. Every time you lend it out. A better chance. Books, you know, physical, hard copies of books. You can flip through them, you can read them, you can actually learn some stuff from them. I mean, granted, you can't play solitaire on it, you can't look up uh, boobs on YouTube, uh, but at least you'll learn something from it. And there's a good chance uh, it could be returned. And uh, th- the chances of it being resold low, pawned low, because you can't get much drug money from that. You know, my girls, my girls have... Uh, Lana does. Lana uh, goes to school here, Northeast India. She's got an iPad. And uh, sometimes, you know, of course it's an e-learning day. Um, Sometimes I think that we're too technologically sound, that they should just, you know, worry about books and mess with technology later because, you know, even if she didn't have an iPad or the latest technological craze until she was like 12 or 13, she could figure it out because that's what kids do. You don't need the latest and greatest. If it is the latest and greatest and they get it as a gift, uh, they're going to figure it out anyway. Learning technology at school really doesn't do anything. Trust me. If you get a kid an iPhone, hell, I've got an iPhone, and I am so bass-ackwards on a lot of stuff, I'll figure it out eventually. I'll figure out how to work my iPhone. Uh, No, I don't have an iPhone. I have an Android. I don't know what's wrong with me. I got Android, uh, so, you know, whatever. That stuff works itself out in the wash. And yet you got uh, public schools losing tens of millions of dollars of losing of uh, technology every year. Yeah, that's a problem. Maybe you guys need to, you know, cut loose the iPad thinking. All right. uh, This should be a tragic story, but it's a little too dumb to be tragic. A Brazilian man fell to his death 135 feet recently. This hole was a hole he dug in his own kitchen looking for treasure. He dug, he dug a hole 135 feet deep looking for treasure, and then he fell into it and unfortunately died. Look, if you think there's treasure in your house... Look, if I think there's treasure in my house, I'm probably just going to stop if I can't find it under the couch. No reason to dig that deep. There's not, there isn't one person that greedy who's gonna dig treasure that deep because they will want to access it for themselves one day that's the theory anyway Uh, you know they they don't want to go through a lot of rigmarole they just want a simple hiding place if you if you go deeper than five feet for buried treasure it ain't there maybe you should invest in a metal detector or you know maybe a, a foundation for your house Jesus and finally, the Toilet of the Future arrived. Uh, Kohler has introduced the Smart Toilet. It only cost you $10,000, but uh, heated seats, the whole nine, seeks up to your phone because they know you're not leaving that place until you look at all of your memes. But $10,000 Smart Toilet. Um, it's, it's rare, it's really weird to call something smart that you're about ready to dump in. But then again, uh... It really depends. Maybe one day we'll have a public school system out there that puts smart toilets in all their uh, all their bathrooms. Good luck getting those back. With that all said and done, I'm done. Till next time, stay fresh, cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlibs. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.